from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. This is Locked On Chiefs. We're glad you're here because we have some things to tell you. Matt Derrick's going to join us in a little bit. We're going to go over the new acquisitions that have gotten into Kansas City and how they affect not just the positions they play, but the units they belong to and the overall scope of what the Chiefs are doing this offseason. First, we have to get to some of the new species that just popped before we got to recording. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and your host at RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. And again, all, as always, thank you for all of the iTunes reviews. Let's get into the news. The Chiefs made a new signing today. Yeah, not the one that we expected. His name is Austin, but it's not the one that you were thinking of. Uh, and I think I'll ask Matt this in, in a little bit, but I want to get your take because this tells me that the Austin Ryder thing is not going to happen. Um, this, in my eyes, is a replacement level for Austin Ryder. He can start if needed. He can also be a bridge if they do decide to draft a center to come in and be the guy. And I think that that's the plan is that he is going to be a bridge. Uh, but I do think that this could be an upgrade as well. The question is, is you look at the different PFF grades and you can't take, you have to take this with a grain of salt. And what I mean by that is um, the question you have to answer for yourself is, who is better with pocket presence and moving around the pocket? Is it Austin Ryder or sorry, is it Patrick Mahomes or is it Jared Goff? Man, I am just killing it today. <laughs> well, they are guys on teams. And so it is grief. <laughs> well, and that is the interesting part of it is the, the variability, the dynamicism about where that quarterback might be when he tries to deliver the football. It's uh, it's definitely a different challenge and you can't take grades at face value. You're absolutely right. But one thing does stand out to me is that, while he did give up uh, a lot more pressure than Austin Ryder did, at least in attribution, I think some of Austin Ryder's pressures were, were combos that probably got put onto the guards, to tell you the truth, in terms of the, the recording of where pressure comes from. I will say this, though. The opposite is also true. Um, this is an upgrade in having some of that short yardage ability, particularly in the run game, coming off the ball a little bit. They play a little bit more power uh, and man gap stuff in Los Angeles, or at least they have. So I think that gives a, a little bit more of a wrinkle in that short yards thing that we've been complaining about. Yeah, that's definitely something that you need to look at. I do think that, uh, you know, this signing, I think, is, like I said before, I think it is a situation where this is a stopgap to somebody that they're planning on drafting this season. But they couldn't go into this draft without, uh, you know, having somebody there. And I don't think you could have gone into this draft with just Nick Allegretti uh, because I don't know that that is representative enough, uh, well enough of a center that can play in this league. Yeah, and maybe they just don't want to mess with him. Maybe they're happy with him being the swing guy in there. I, I think that's perfectly fine, too. But clearly, this looks like, as of right now, unless they decide that value represents itself in the draft and they decide to go the center position, I don't think there's any way that's in the first round, but second, third, fourth, fifth, sure, maybe. If they don't do that, then your starting interior right now is Joe Tooney on the left, Blythe in the middle, and Kyle Long at right. And I think that's an interesting trio that can move the, the ball a little bit farther down the field. Could be. I I also saw somebody throw out there that maybe Tooney goes to center uh, because he has played it and he does like playing there. And LDT is your right guard and Long is your left guard. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know I think they're going to play the best five however they can. So. Is LDT one of those guys? Well, if he is, then maybe you move Tooney. And, you know, I don't like it necessarily because you just paid him what you paid him. But if it's a big upgrade, I guess 
across the line, I think you're in good shape. Now, the thing with Austin Blythe is he's 29, so he's basically the same age as Austin Ryder, uh, but he got paid almost double what Ryder did last year. So we're still waiting on the numbers. I would imagine he's going to get a little bit more than Ryder would have cost them. Yeah, and so in their minds, it's got to be an upgrade is my guess. And at the end of the day, came out in the same draft class as Joe Tooney, was a decently athletic guy that was underpowered and a little bit weak, in my opinion, at the time. And it looks like he's developed and... You know, this is the bridge that I think that they needed. So that's a positive. I'll be real interested to see what Matt thinks uh, and if he sees something that we don't. So uh, we'll take this little second and then we'll get with Matt coming up next. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It's Built Bar Madness. Their daily matchups as all the high-powered flavors go head-to-head. Go to BuiltBar.com or at BuiltBar on Twitter. Check out the matchup and vote in the Built Bar bracket. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back and see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. We're covering everything you need to know about the Chiefs, but what about the rest of the league? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's all about sports, all you need, all the news, every morning, and it's under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And it's that time of the week again so I can get straightened out and figure out what's actually going on. How are you, Matt Derrick? I am doing pretty well, Ryan. How about yourself? I'm keeping it together, although, you know, on my toes a little bit more this week, as need to be. Folks, uh, ChiefsDigest.com is where you can get all of Matt's work. Don't forget that. But uh, his work today is really to keep me from getting, like, depressed. Uh, (laughs) As we sit down to record this, uh, the Chiefs do have a signing in tow for Austin Blythe. uh, Backup center, I think, in if you're going to look for the future, but possibly a bridge right now. Um, honestly rings about the same level as Austin Ryder to me, but uh, definitely, I think, uh, different ways they go about the game. How do you like this fit for this team? Yeah, same first name, same, I think, <laughs> number of letters in the last name. I mean, uh, yeah, when I heard that Austin Blythe was coming to KC, I thought it was just a typo that it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, a little bit different. I mean, Blythe's got a little bit different style of play, uh, a little bit different experience. He's a little bit younger. We'll see how the, the contract comes out. But yeah, I'm, uh, with you, with a one-year deal, certainly sounds like a bridge. And, you know, an off-the-offhand chance that for some reason he's coming in here to be a backup. I mean, that's actually, you know, he's got that flexibility too. I mean, mm-hmm. a guy that's got center and guard experience. So certainly fits in with what the Chiefs like to do offensively with having guys that can play multiple spots. But yeah, my expectation is that he is coming in here to play center. And I think that raises maybe an interesting question because coming in here on a one-year deal, um, you know, does this mean that the Chiefs are, you know, in the market looking out for a center for the long-term future? And if that's the case, is that center in this year's draft? So, you know, is that a position that we need to be putting on the board is possibly the Chiefs might be interested in? I'm glad you hit on it because that's exactly where I am at. This screams to me uh, that they're carrying out the plan at center like I thought they should carry out at tackle. Get a veteran to be in there and lock it down in case. And then if you have an opportunity to draft someone that you feel is somebody who can be in this role for five, six, seven years, you go for that. So we're on the same wavelength. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I certainly expected the Chiefs make a, a deal like this. I actually thought Austin Ryder was going to be back. I mean, there certainly seemed like there was some motion in that direction. And whether this is an indication that things fell apart or the Chiefs feel like that this is an upgrade, um, different player, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then maybe that's just what the Chiefs are going for. Maybe they are going for something a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, to me, you know, if the Chiefs felt like that they had the center of their future on the roster right now, don't know that a move like this makes a ton of sense. Right. Um, this is certainly an indication that, you know, because I have the full expectation that right now, Austin Blythe is signing this contract thinking he's coming in here as being the starting center. And that doesn't preclude, you know, going out and drafting someone. But yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, it, it definitely perks up my ears now that maybe this is a position that we should be circling because this is the kind of thing you could see as being exactly that. I bridge to the future. You bring in a young guy and year two, that young guy takes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I see it too. And, and no offense to Austin Ryder, but this seals his fate is coming back as far as I'm concerned. And I wonder, quite frankly, if it is maybe he does have some traction with another um, outfit that could give him a bit more of a salary bump or uh, if negotiations have just gone through their process and they're done. Yeah. And this could be certainly an indication that, that maybe Austin Ryder did have some other offers out there that were going to put him out of the, the chief's budget and orbit. And if that's the case, I mean, you know, you know, Austin Blythe as a fallback is actually a pretty good option. I mean, a guy with some starting experience around the league. And as we said, you know, multiple positions. So, a guy gives you certainly gives you some flexibility, but uh, yeah, I mean, this certainly, I mean, it would be a surprise at this point if if Austin Ryder does come back with Blythe in the fold. Yeah, and comparing the two players, Austin Ryder didn't give up much pressure last year at all, at least uh, officially, and Blythe did in the past game, but um, they run a lot more power in Los Angeles, and I, th- I think that brings an aspect to the game. He is much better graded in run blocking than. Austin Riders, at least according to PFF, you can take those for what it's worth, everyone, but they are there. They are a metric you can compare. And so in doing that, it does give me a little bit of optimism about maybe they can run some more power gap and some man blocking inside and get that push that we've been talking about a lot of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because we've all been talking about the rebuilding of this offensive line being from the standpoint of upgrading the pass blocking. But, you know, being able to have an effective short yardage offense has also seemingly been a big primary goal with the upgrade of this offensive line. Um, because with Blythe, with, with Tooney, you've got even, I, I think Kyle Long fits in that category. I mean, you've got some guys now that are a little bit more of a road grader type mentality and, and physicality than you had before. And that has been a, you know, the one kind of, you know, dent in this team's armor has been, you know, the ability to run the ball effectively in short yardage situations, whether it's third and fourth and goal or uh, third and fourth and short, whatever it may be. And that's what I mean, you know, a lot of these these off-season upgrades, I mean, if I'm Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm excited because I think he's got some people to run behind now that he's going to be pretty excited about. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big plus. It rounds out the game. And quite frankly, again, you can set that base foundation. If you can improve upon that in the draft or even bring in competition that maybe you want to give the Mahomes effect to an interior lineman, clearly, I, I think that helps. And that's a positive because I think at the end of the day, um, Blythe and uh, Joe Tooney, by the way, were in the same draft class. Um, we're not that 
uh, disparate on my rankings in terms of uh, the physiological stuff. The athletic matrix, you know, was very similar for the two of them, maybe about three guys in between. So I think that there's a fit there in what they can do. And this certainly does, I think, spell the end of my thought that maybe Tooney could be snapping the ball. Yeah, I mean, we can still have the conspiracy conversations out there that, that Tooney will kick out the left tackle. Um, no, I'm not saying that. So people do not say I said that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and, you know, I can certainly make the argument if you want to that, you know, the Chiefs have at this point certainly probably upgraded three of their starting spots on the offensive line. Um, yeah, granted, those are the three interior positions. Yeah, you got to be a little bit worried about what things look like on the outside. But you know, at this point, you know, the, the Chiefs have at least accomplished some of their goals, which has been to upgrade the offensive line. They have effectively done that. I think you could make that argument or they, the Chiefs feel like they have done that at three spots now. I think that's really important, but it's not the only thing that they have to do. So I think uh, when we get back from this, we're going to talk about the other side of the trench and they're making some improvements there as well. We haven't had a chance to talk to you about Jerron Reed. We'll do that next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And bet online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. So clearly, multiple goals. Uh, we knew that the defensive line was going to be in there. I think a lot of folks were leaning towards the defensive end position, especially after uh, Melvin Ingram came to visit, uh, yet he left without a contract. What is your take on, A, Reed being available in the first place and that they, the Chiefs went and snatched him up? Yeah, interesting, because uh, his his departure from Seattle with uh, you know not restructuring his contract is a little bit interesting. Um, it's a great gift for the Chiefs. I mean, I don't think you can look at it any other way. I mean, and, and frankly, I think a bargain, too, on top of that. Um, I, interesting you talk about, you know, building this team from the line because – Brett Feach told us exactly that, you know, back in February. I mean, when everything was getting ready to get started, I mean, he talked about, you know, team building from the inside out. And, you know, and I don't think that they're done. I mean, the Chiefs are going to continue to add on the offensive and defensive lines, I think, over the next couple of months between either continuing free agency, the draft. I mean, they're not done. But Reed, to me, yeah, I mean, this this has got to be just an exciting land for Steve Spagnuolo and Brendan Daly because. Now, that tackle position is ridiculously deep. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to make the argument that Derek Nottie or Tershawn Wharton is, you know, battling out to see who's going to be the fourth guy, I mean, that, that's a deep defensive tackle group. But on top of that, you've also got a lot of guys who can move around and play different spots. And, and I'm really in, intrigued to see how this might affect Chris Jones, because mm-hmm. this could be something that allows the Chiefs to use Jones a little bit more on the edge or at least move him in different spots. And because they still need to address that edge spot for no other reason than, you know, last year, I think you saw that it was really easy for teams to take Frank Clark out of the equation. You know, he dropped back more last year than the Chiefs wanted him to. 
And a big part of that was scheme. I mean, it was just teams absolutely knew that Frank Clark was the guy on the edge that they just had to take out of the equation. If that was the case, then it, then you can afford to double team to Chris Jones on the inside. Well, mm-hmm. now if you can move Chris Jones around, if you can put, you know, read in different spots, you know where Frank Clark's going to be. I mean, that's just who he is and that's where he wants to be. But, you know, it satisfies Chris Jones' desire to play a little bit more on the outside. So if he's able to, you know, line up on the outside, he knows it's easier for him to get to the quarterback on third down on the outside than it is from the inside. So his numbers should absolutely go up. But to me, I mean, it's just the the flexibility that the Chiefs now have to put those guys in different spots makes them, you know, so much more unpredictable. And that's what Steve Spagnolo and Brendan Daly really like to do. I mean, they want to be un- unpredictable up front. And I like that. And you have a very good point. Not only playing end on a couple of times for Chris Jones, but here's the big thing for me is I think even if you don't do that and you are in rushing downs, past rushing downs, I think you can put Chris now on the opposite side, at least on the left-hand side tackle spot and have drawn in the middle between he and Frank. And I think that helps in a lot of what the, the teams chose to do with line calls to try to take both of them out on the same side. The whole thing looks to me like they're just one piece away from having what Spags had in some past stops, including New York, where he could move all four of his defensive linemen around and put them in different configurations and confuse everyone. Do you feel like uh, the edge rusher portion of that is now Jones maybe on early downs and then you bring in Taco and Jones goes back to tackle? Or do you think that they're still in the market for a defensive end? I mean, I think they're still in the market. And, you know, hey, is that Melvin Ingram? Not at the price is right. You know, that's, I think, pretty clear that when he came and left Kansas City without a deal, you know, Melvin Ingram, I think, still wants to be paid like Melvin Ingram was three years ago. And I'm just not sure the money's going to be there. So that's why I'm not closing the door that he could come back to KC because I think that he would be willing to come to KC if the money's not there. If some other team's not willing to pay him what he wants, then I, I think that Kansas City remains an option. Uh, but I also think that the Chiefs are, yeah, I mean, I think that whether it's Ingram or not, I mean, I think they would like to still upgrade that spot because, once again, you know you're going to have injuries. So you're going to have to deal with that. And you don't want the injuries to, to hamper you too much because, uh, yeah, I mean, right now you're talking about that scenario. Well, Taco Charlton's coming off an injury. If he's not 100% or he gets hurt again or any of the other guys get hurt, you know, who's your, your next man up? And yeah, they've got some other guys that can provide flexibility. I mean, Mike Dan is another one of those guys. I mean, I think he's more effective on the outside, but he's got experience all over the line. So he's another guy that can do that for you. Um, but no, the Chiefs went into this wanting another impact edge player. And I, Reed's a really nice addition. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he fills out completely the wish list. I agree with you because I still think that that wish list is unaffected by Reed's a nice bonus because I don't think they ever expected to have a shot at somebody of his caliber at that point. He's great against the run, and I think he provides a lot more pass rush than they've gotten from that position opposite Chris Jones in quite a while. Um, but you brought up a really interesting aspect that I want more depth on. Mike Dana, do you think that this is the year we remember how excited Brendan Daly was about the acquisition of Mike Dana when he was drafted? Do you think this is year that he could take a step forward and become more of that designated pass rusher as well, especially if Taco's not healed? I mean, I think that's definitely the hope. I mean, remains to be seen. I mean, Dan is a different type of prospect. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a little bit older as it is at this point, you know, coming out of college. You know, he had that extra extra year. 
bounced around. So he's still getting used to the level of caliber play. And some guys, you know, don't even need that. I mean, you saw that with Tershawn Wharton. He was able to come in and, and overcome that completely. But, you know, Dan was a little bit more of a, a lump of clay. And I think they're really interested to see how with that experience and with a full offseason program, what he comes back as and, and what he can do. I don't think the Chiefs are, they're not counting on that. They're not counting on Mike Dana being all of a sudden the guy who's going to start for you on the edge and be opposite of Frank Clark. That's not what they're doing at all. But I think they are hoping that, yes, that he can be a key rotational piece. And if he has to fill in the gap, you know, they don't get what they want, which is another impact edge player. Then I do. I think they they feel like that Dana has at least as a rookie showed enough that that he can he can deserves a chance for a bigger role and show what he can do. Bigger role is exactly what I expect from him as well. And a bigger role is what you can find at ChiefsDigest.com, folks. Go over there and check that out. We're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for all the time, Matt. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you later. Folks, we appreciate you listening. Have a great one, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.